Well, good morning. Glad to be here with you today. And uh, we are finishing off our series that we've been uh, undertaking for the last number of weeks, as Yvonne has explained, that it has been to do with this whole theme called posture. Some weeks ago, I characterized, I guess, a bit of the state of play that's just happened over the last two generations within our culture. That is, the church had occupied fairly much the center stage of community life. And over the last just rapidly two generations, it's began to inhabit more of the margins. And the question that a number of people are asking is, what does it look like to inhabit the margins? What does it look like to be a Jesus follower in a quite conflicted and complex world where the church, if you like, is no longer in the center, but part of a whole in a diminishing self? And so we've been exploring these different themes and we've been making the point that in fact Jesus is the one who inhabited the margins and rather than having a reflex action that says let's try and reclaim the middle, that Jesus followers, Christians who actually carry that sense of belonging to him have an opportunity to inhabit once again the margin spaces because that's where they discover that Jesus actually is. And so over these past number of weeks, we've been talking about inhabiting the margins without judgment, inhabiting those margins with a sense of humility, don't have all of the answers to everything, and so our posture is different, inhabiting the margins, if you like, with a sense of gratitude, because God is there and he's at work, the sense of inhabiting the margins in which you might at times be caught up with a sense of ambiguity pulled in different directions, asking, what does it look like to be a Jesus person in the midst of these complex situations? And also, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about courage and radical kindness. And today, in the time that we have together, whether you're watching online or just here with us this morning, I want to talk about hope. I wonder if you're here this morning and you need to hear the words again of Jesus that to someone who placed their settled conviction in him, you carry a hope. And I want to unpack this whole theme this morning, beginning by talking about two conversations I had most recently. One conversation about five weeks ago, and another conversation I had with the television probably about two weeks ago. And as you are thinking about those two things, there's, there's one resource that I could flick your way. If there's one resource that's been helpful, even as we've been meeting with the people group offline during the, the last number of weeks to talk about these things, it would be this one. So if you want to write this down, Surprised by Hope by Tom Wright, because it talks about repivoting and realigning a sense of hope and what that means for a Jesus person to have that. Well, I hate to say it that about five weeks ago, I was in this place with my wife, Bron. It was in Salzburg. And I was at a conference in that place. And no, it wasn't a junket that I was sent on. It was actually a, a, a conference in which I was hearing some people present some things from biblical studies. I remember in that place five weeks ago, there was one lady who had presented a paper that I'd just been interacting with. And I had a conversation with her afterwards. She was a lecturer at a biblical studies department in a university in Europe. And as we were talking about the things that she had been conveying to us, <laughs> she said these words. She said, you know, the current state of play in Europe is just so upside down. She said, there's a war on. 
And what's more, I have my mother saying to me, why don't you get a real job and do something with your life because you're just in this faculty, in this department, in this university. I mean, and other people are actually trying to actually respond in some way to the war around about us. And she said, and on top of that, um, there's, the funding has been reduced to the university in all of the humanities departments, particularly mine. And so I'm wondering, what should I do with my life and the state of the current affairs of the world? I don't quite know what to do, but it just feels really, really heavy. And in that pause space, I said to her, well, instinctively, I said, I suppose more than ever, people who follow Jesus need to be able to articulate the good news message of what he is on about. And she heard what I said and said, she said, but you know, the state of the world in which it's in and, and, and the war that's going on in Ukraine and, and the, the reduced funding that's happening in my university, it just all seems rather hopeless. And I said back to her, I said, I guess more than ever before, we need to be able to articulate what it means to be a Jesus follower and the hope that he kind of brings in this world. And in that one moment, I realized you can study a whole bunch of things about Jesus and miss one of the most incredible things that he has to offer. One of his followers by the name of Peter, he put it this way. He said, may God be blessed. God, the father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, his mercy is abundant. And so he has become our father in a second birth into a living hope through the resurrection from the dead of Jesus, the Messiah. When Peter wrote about the good news of Jesus, he, he thought about that moment in which on a Sunday morning uh, and a stone was rolled back from a tomb. And the body was no longer there. And he said, in that moment, a defining moment for not only the followers of Jesus, but for the world itself, there was a declaration that rang out from that tomb that Jesus is alive. And that if Jesus is alive, that means that death has been defeated. That all the powers and the disease in this world called sin and selfishness, that reflex action that says, God, get out of my life. I want to build my life my way, and I don't want any part of you. And all of the dark powers had been defeated in that one decisive moment. And he had made a way for human beings to come and to know his Father in heaven. And as a result of that, the message that rang out from the tomb that Easter Sunday morning is that God is alive. And he has breathed his fresh hope into this world that this is not just the end. If you like, the future has arrived into the present. And so that anyone who opens up their hearts and minds and declares to Jesus that I believe in who you are, that he breathes his fresh life into them, the fresh life of God in the future breaking into the present right now. And it gives them, Peter says, a living hope that this is not the end, that the best is yet to come. But that best has actually broken into now, and God is renewing and restoring all things. Red in Shawshank Redemption once said it like this, hope is a dangerous thing. And it is, because it can subvert the world. And the hope that those early followers of Jesus held was that this man, this God-man, had defeated all things, and new life and new hope had been breathed in this broken and decaying creation. And that 
was fundamentally good news. <laughs> Another follower of Jesus by the name of Paul, Apostle Paul, he said, if you want to summarize the Jesus life, the Christian life into three words, it would be this, faith, hope, and love. Faith, that settled conviction that God is bringing in his kingdom through his son, Jesus. Hope, that one day through that, actually God has begun his great renewing work. And love, the one thing that will remain and have continuity between the life of this age and when that age to come breaks forth here in this sphere, earth itself. Love, that will know no bounds. A conversation in Salzburg about hope. I wonder if you need to hear that today. That there is hope to be found and had in Jesus. The second conversation more recently I had was with the television. Someone had directed me to interact with someone who was from a, a Christian lobby group who was talking on Q&A, which is always a caustic and complex place. So well done them for actually fronting up. But as I watched the person present and speak as though they were speaking for all Jesus followers, or that he spoke with such clarity and such precision and such certainty, I wondered as I heard his words if I could pull him inside and have another quiet conversation with him. Because as he spoke and was asked questions about some really complex things in our world right now, he responded in this kind of manner. He said, we, that is Jesus people, never look at the other person as someone who we would like to harm, harm to befall. We only ever look at people as souls to be saved. Which made me think, surely God loves us as wholes, not just as souls. Surely the resurrection from the dead meant that actually he's interested in our bodies as well. And then he went on to say, Sinners are destined for judgment. And yes, Christians understand that as hell. And all will stand before God and be judged. And forgiveness awaits those who repent. And then he went on and said this, The day I, that I found that I was a sinner going to hell was the best day of my life. Because it turned me in the right direction. As I was listening to this man speak with such certainty for everyone. There were some things in which he said from these words that have some resemblance, that have some overlap. But unfortunately, what it left you with was the entire sort of presentation is stepping back and going away with this feeling that he was portraying God in these terms, that there was a God, if there was a God, for God so hated the world that he killed his only son so that whoever doesn't believe in him will be sent to God's chamber of horrors for all eternity. That's how it felt. And that's not my line, <laughs> it's someone else's. In other words, there was this sense in which you walked away feeling, mm, there's some things in which you talk about which have some resonance, but by and large, it leaves you with a sense of wondering, what is the good news of Jesus? In fact, when I examine the words of Jesus, he actually just doesn't say it like that. He says things like this, the time is fulfilled. God's kingdom is arriving here on earth right now. So turn back and believe that this is good news for you. Here's the one who says words like this. 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then these words are said of him, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory, and in his name the nations will put their Hope. When I heard that man talking on Q&A and saying he represented the whole, I was not for a moment dismissing the idea that God was not going to call humanity to account at some day for how they've lived in their body. That has always been part of a Jewish Christian understanding. But that when he spoke of judgment, it was just singularly in the terms of condemnation. You see, from the very beginning... The narrative the Bible says when those first human beings were given an option to either build with God for his life and bringing order to a chaotic world, they reflexively said, God, we want to call the shots. We want to be the ones who determine right, wrong, good and evil. And in that, human beings, if you like, said, we want to be like you, God. And they did it badly. And so God made a promise to a man, Abram, Abraham, centuries ago. And in light of all the evil and the corruption and, and, and all of the decay and darkness that had befelled the world, God said to this one man, Abram, through you, I want to make a promise that you'll become a mighty people and someone will emerge from those people who will be my servant and through him, I will begin to renew the creation itself. One of the prophets by the name of Isaiah, speaking of that man, said these words. And he will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word. And one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. In that day, that day when... God's reign and rule would come to bear here on earth. It would be like, and he used these powerful metaphors. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe and the lion and a little child will lead them all. Then it goes on and says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The great hope that the prophet spoke about was that God would act through his servant. And through his servant, he would begin to initiate a new world order. One where wickedness and corruption and evil will be liberated from it. And the lion and the little child will walk together hand in hand. A powerful metaphor of safety and peace and hope. Through him. Powerful words. An incredible image of that world to come. In fact, when the Bible speaks of judgment, foremostly and firstly, it speaks of it in terms of a great liberation. Where one day evil and corruption and wickedness will be dispelled from it. And that will signal joy. 
I don't know about you, but watching the television this last two weeks has been quite incredible. Seeing the lives of Ukrainians who have been waiting for their compatriots to come and liberate them from the occupation and how they've responded. Have you seen some of the images of people putting out sort of flags and banners and waving as people are liberated from the, the, the overt corruption and evil that's befelled them in the last number of months? I saw an image of a man who, when he saw um, a number of soldiers coming through, he bent down on the ground and he kissed it. One lady said, in tears, she said, we have been waiting for you to come. We have been so waiting and I've been praying that someone would come and liberate us from the oppression that we have experienced. And as I thought about those images and those words and that frame, I couldn't help but imagine that one day God said that he would bring his goodness and his rightness and his justice to bear. And that anyone who places their trust and confidence in him, he opens a door and he says, you are welcome. My son has already washed clean through what he's done on the cross. He can breathe new life into hardened hearts. He can transform the, if you like, the human mind and the heart to want to live for justice and mercy and kindness from the inside out. When God speaks of his judgment, he often foremostly speaks of it as a sense of longing for the day in which all of the evil is extracted from his world in which he inhabits and the knowledge of who he is will cover the earth and the waters just like the sea covers the land. Incredible images. So who would be? Who would be the one who would come to do that? Well, last week, Helen Colston gave us an illustration of the work she's been doing down in Gatehouse Ministries down there in St. Kilda. She talked about a day in which one of the street ladies had come to have a shower to have a change of clothing, to be able to have a safe place to live. She said in that place when she was having a shower, she left a mess in that room. And the mess was, was so pungent that as other workers went in, they all turned up their noses and they said, what are we to do here? Because here it is, this person needs to have cleaned up themselves. But then one of the workers turned and said, you know what, this woman has experienced so much shame and heartache in their life. The last thing we need to do is lump shame upon shame. And so she went into that room and she cleaned up the mess and she did it herself because of her care for that individual. Now the Bible has a powerful image of Jesus. It says this, He who knew no wrong, he who knew no sin. He who knew no muck and mess and grime became it. He took it on himself so that human beings might be washed clean. No matter who they are, no matter where they've been, 
no matter what they've done or has been done to them. He welcomes them home. He washes them clean. He welcomes them into his family and puts them into his work. The hope of Jesus is that in him, you can place your confident hope. That God is at work in this world. It's restoring human lives. It's transforming human hearts. And that he is bringing his life to bear. That one day will be fully realized. Do you know that hope? That only God can give. The hope that the only human being that is capable of judging rightly and justly and fairly is the one who came from the greatest heights and descended to the greatest lows, who allowed himself to be crucified on a cross in a shameful death. And therefore it said that God highly exalted him and gave him the name above any other name, any other human being. And if there is someone who is to bring justice and mercy and judge with impartiality, it's that man, Jesus. Does that mean that there'll be never a place where God in the end doesn't say to someone, have it your way? No. But his loving kindness always extends his arms wide. Disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray. How do we pray in this complex and complicated world? Which could be reframed. Jesus, how would you like someone who follows you to posture themselves in this day? And he said to them these words, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. And as we do that, would you give us today our daily bread and help us forgive others just as you've forgiven us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all the schemes of the evil one that would want to undermine and subvert and rob of the hope that we've found in you. I wonder if you're here today and you need to hear again the words of hope of Jesus. Because he invites Jesus' followers. When they wake up in the morning time to pray a dangerous prayer. How are you going to inhabit this world with a sense of hope? A living hope. And so he gives them a prayer to pray. That wherever you go, whether it be to school, or on holidays, or in your workspaces, or in the communities around about you, 
that you would carry this nugget of living hope. Because you carry a confidence that the work that Jesus is doing in your life is the work he's doing for the entire world. That one day, his kingdom will come. And all are welcome. So he dares you to pray. God, as I wake this morning, I want to honor you above everything else. May your life come alive in me that I might partner with you in transforming this world for good until you come and complete the job. God, help me. And as I go about this work, would you give me what I need for each step of the way? Would you sustain me? And as I stumble and fall, would you forgive me? As I'm learning to forgive other people, would you help me do that? And would you guard me from the schemes of the evil one who wants to rob me of the hope that I've found in you? Have a conversation with Jesus and I think he would say, no, what I have to say and who I am and the message that I bring isn't foremostly not answering this question, is foremostly not answering this question, what must I do to go to heaven when I die? But what kind of human being are you desiring me to be becoming right here on earth so that one day when I meet my Father, my heavenly one, he might say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your Father's rest. So from where we began, seven weeks ago, set apart Jesus as the boss of your life and always be ready to make a reply to anyone who asks to explain the hope that is in you. But do it with gentleness and great respect. God, here in this place right now, I ask that you might give us again your hope. For those listening online, for those sitting here where the world feels quite hopeless, would you remind us this day here where we are, the hope that is to be found in Jesus, not an idea, a person. And God, here in this place, as there are people who have been weighed down and heavy, to them afresh so that they may know the hope of heaven coming here on earth and that one day in the regeneration you are making 